0: Is it time to panic? After winning three in a row and moving up in the Eastern Conference, the Knicks have lost five of their last six, dropping to nine and thirteen and fall to the tenth spot in the East. What's gone wrong for Thibb's squad? Should they make a deal for his old guard, Zach Levine? We'll talk everything, Knicks and the NBA with bleacher reports, Taylor Rooks. Plus, we go inside the doghouse. All that and more on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. It's going down. It is going
1: down once again, Sal. How you
0: doing? Yeah, good, JYD. New episodes of the podcast drop every Tuesday afternoon. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts. Go in there. Give us a five-star rating, please. It helps. Write a nice review as well, you know, if you can. If you're not an Apple user, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or Amazon. And you can follow us both on Twitter at Sal underscore Lakata, and at Junkyard Dog JW. Bleacher Reports' Taylor Rooks is going to join us a little bit later in the show. And this is episode 31, the JYD edition Uh of Big Apple Buckets. JYD, let's make it another good one here. And look, unfortunately for the Knicks, they're struggling a little bit. A bad loss on Monday night in Chicago, a team that they should beat and, you know, they got it uh, close in the stretch, couldn't hit a big three, frustrating moments. But the Knicks have now fallen to 9-13 and overall. They were 8-8. They are now 10th in the east so the 10th uh, in the east they've now lost five of their last six begs you know the question is it time to trade for a superstar and you watch one last night Knicks taking on the Bulls and Zach Levine for Chicago who's averaging 26 points per game this year I mean look I think the Knicks have been solid JYD we talk about it all the time how they play hard both ends of the floor but clearly they need some more scoring uh another potential star is Zach Levine that potential star that they need, J.Y.D.?
1: You know what? I think he could be if he can handle the concrete jungle and all that that brings with it, he could be that star because obviously, you know, he's he's one of the top scorers in the league right now. He's proven that he is bumping the Chicago Bulls up the ladder, you know, into potentially making the playoffs. You know, he he's flat out carrying the Chicago Bulls, so he could potentially be that guy.
0: And the question is, you know, what would it take to get him? It seems like the Knicks are interested. At least they're inquiring if he does, in fact, become available. Is going to be a free agent in 2022. The Knicks have $18 million in cap space. Levine getting $19.5 million this season. Again, the same next year. I, look, if you're talking about giving up Knox, Neil Aquina, a first-round pick. I think that's something you got to do. I don't know if that's exactly the price or what that's, you know, what the exact cost is going to be going back. But, you know, Levine, is he the next level superstar? No, but if you pair him with Randall and Barrett, he brings a different element a guy who could create his own shot, a guy who could knock down threes consistently. You know, I'm infuriated watching this team, the Knicks, shoot threes because it's not something they do well. There's only a handful of guys, maybe even two or three, that I want to see shooting threes regularly. The rest of them attack the rim. So Levine is one of those guys that can knock it down from the outside. Is there a certain cost, JYD, that would be too high, or would you be willing to give up Knox, Neil in and a first-round pick?
1: Hey, listen, there's always a cost that's too high. You know, if you put quickly in the deal, you're absolutely, absolutely not right. That's too high. <laughs> he's, un- he's untouchable, I would he's think. He's untouchable. He's untouchable. Um, so it's, I think you have to pair him with – RJ Barrett. You have to pair him with Julius Randle. So those are the top players that I'm sure the phone will be ringing in the Knicks, um, you know, front office room to to acquire. That's as I'm if I'm the general manager, you know, that's when I'm like, hey, you know, what else can we give you? And those are typically the things that other teams do not want unless the player, meaning Zach, is once out of Chicago. Now. Those things and you know, like you said, you mentioned like a first round draft pick and um, some other intangible pieces uh, can can improve that possibility of a trade. But the way I'm seeing it right now, what you, what are they going to get back?
0: Yeah. Well, look, you touched on before we get to the bad. Let's focus on the good here. You touched on needing to add a player like Levine to the young core that they have. Randall, a developing potential all-star Emmanuel quickly I mean he's everybody's favorite son now in New York love him and he look he could shoot some bad shots and I think he did that against Chicago on Monday night being at times reckless with the three ball but he can knock them down so I'm actually okay with him doing that but quickly is quickly turning into a, a star an impact player year for this team and R.J. Barrett even though he can't shoot the basketball with any consistency he's a star in other areas so they have some nice pieces when you look at this team it's okay well Where's the weakness? We know it's scoring. We know it's shooting from the outside. But you have two guys that we mentioned in Neil Aquina and Knox, two first-round picks that are, that are zeros. I mean, they, they have no impact right now. So that's when you look at the Knicks and say, well, why aren't they better than than what they are currently? It's because they've missed on Knox and Neil Aquina. And Knox at times this year, JYD, has shown the ability to knock down the outside shot, the corner three. And you're thinking, all right, maybe this is it. And then now again he's back in the doghouse. He doesn't play any defense. He's got no energy or effort. And maybe you're thinking, all right, he's going to be a guy that gets eventually traded for maybe Zach Levine.
1: Because those are the things that you know consistently is are wanted around the league and if that's the thing that you display well guess what your trade value is is not as high unless teams feel like they can bring that consistency out of you with their staff their organization their city um their surroundings and all that and they see that diamond in the rough of being able to have that type of potential as, of a player so without that you know zach levine is probably going to stay in chicago
0: you think uh, Kevin Knox is hurting his value here by now falling out of the 10 man rotation from Tibbs, or you still think it's possible somebody says, Oh, you know what? We could make the most out of this guy. I mean, I look at him and say, and I hate to be rude or harsh. He, to me, he's a worthless player. There's no end. I'd rather have Bullock and Burks. You know, those guys do their job. Are they – do they have the potential or the scoring uh, ability that maybe Kevin Knox does, the raw ability? No, but they play hard both ends of the floor. They do what is asked of them. Knox comes in, and he's methodically moving around. He's inconsistent with his shot. He doesn't defend. You think, though, he still has some value around the league because of the potential that maybe teams think he has?
1: What I'm saying is every player has potential, especially when you start off in a city like New York. It might not be the place for you, right? You might not be built for that concrete jungle and be able to carry that same consistency. All I'm saying is that when you're trading for a guy like a potential in Zach Levine, who is obviously doing it in Chicago, leading the team in scoring, shooting from the outside, now coming forward and uh, potentially coming to the Knicks, then are they looking at the potential players that they can take in and say, make them into you know a better player?
2: It's slim pickings, guys, for what you think the Bulls want. Another name you got to think about is a guy who got sent to the G League as part of the Porzingis trade, and that's Someone everyone's forgotten about, that's Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, the guy, talk about falling out of the rotation, he's fallen out of New York and went to Westchester. I mean, or wherever the G League bubble is, he's not here anymore. He's a guy you think about, but what kind of value does he have? So with Smith Jr. and Knox not playing, those are guys you're like, yeah, please, Bulls, take them and we'll give you a first-round pick. But I just don't know if anyone's going to want them because the sample
0: size is small. They're not out there. Oh, that That's the question, Producer Jake, is do the Knicks – Or do the Bulls want players that the Knicks basically put on the scrap heap? I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. And good for Dennis Smith Jr. Accepting the role to go down and try to develop. He's got to. I mean, he's got no other choice. He's not going to be used here. So that's the best thing that he could do is try to develop his game, get some regular playing time, and see if he can improve to get back to the NBA level. Maybe Knox should do the same thing. It's better than sitting on the bench. But will other teams find value in those guys? Neil Akina, you could throw him in there as well. I mean, that's where you're looking to deal from the Barrett right now, untouchable quickly, obviously untouchable. And Julius Randall has developed into a potential all-star. I mean, we got the news earlier this morning that there's going to be an all-star game in Atlanta on March 7th. Yeah. You would hope. And it's just going to be the one night uh, deal where they'll do the skills competition and the all-star game. All in one you wonder if uh Julius Randall is going to be there as an all-star I mean he's been great this year but that's the core JYD right I mean you're not the Knicks right now are trying to build around I'm, I'm thinking long term with Julius Randall and obviously RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly and you're figuring out okay well who's going to fit to pair with these guys we haven't seen enough of Obi Toppin yet he's another piece that you hope can be that we haven't seen enough uh, of him but I mean that's basically the core I don't know if you would consider trading Toppin at this point I would probably say no that's the core that we're looking at at with this next group and I mean you know it comes down to
1: looking at what's out there and Zach Levine is potentially a player that's out there but again the front offices are looking for return right they're looking for players that can plug in and, and do a similar role unless they're trying to just go after draft picks so from that angle you know you brought up a, a very in, in tr- intrinsic point Jake you know Dennis Smith Jr and and I point that out because young players today, they have to understand that their window of opportunity is shrinking. You know, back in the day, you know, teams would, would would invest in a player that they draft in the first round, and then that player would have two, three years of development, you know, kind of working their way in and uh, getting minutes, even if they were right in that mid range, mid first round lottery pick close to that. Right now, it's sort of like if you don't produce, you're quickly replaced. And once you're out of that rotation, it's harder to get back in. And to see Dennis Smith Jr. in the G League is a clear representation that this is I'm looking at his career and saying to myself, wow, where does he go from here? Because he went from starter in Dallas to Knicks starter to six man to not getting in to now the G League. And, and, and this is a team that 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 needs uh, scoring. That needs. You know, like you said, consistency. And if if you bring those to the table, you're gonna play.
0: And, and I love the messaging from Thibodeau that look, if you're not giving what in you know what he believes to be max effort, or you're not producing enough energy, or whatever he wants from you when you're in there, you're not gonna play. I don't care what the name is, how much money you're making, how much you know where where you were drafted, what you were traded for. You're not playing. Uh, I'd rather go with a guy like Bullock or Burks because they're giving me what I want out there to try to win games. Now, it hasn't worked every night, obviously, at 9 and 13, but you can see over the long haul that type of, you know, rewarding guys that play with that type of energy and effort, I think that's going to benefit the group. I mean, don't you think, JYD, if you're playing for Thibodeau and you're giving max effort and you're getting playing time you gotta feel good about that head coach and I would think everybody else is buying in as well
1: you have to I mean Tibbs is actually the guy that I'd love playing for just because his defense first it does um you know he does back up playing time with effort and with energy those major components is what you know, get you to the playoffs and wins playoff games. But the other thing that gets there is being consistent. To Jake's point, you got to know your strengths. If you're not shooting a 40% clip from three, the best thing to do is is to use your strength and get into the cup, get All into right. the foul line. You know, you have to know these things. There's a short window of opportunity that the Knicks or any uh, NBA franchise is going to allow you to take shots that aren't consistent with the overall perspective of winning games. So you have to learn that as a young player, whether it's Quigley, whether it's RJ Barrett, you know, Julius Brent, everybody, you have to know that and you have to take advantage of this opportunity today. So when I see a five game, you know, out of six losing streak, That's what, you know, raised my antennas to say, okay, what are the young players on this team learning from this? And what are they doing to change the outcomes? Because you have to change the outcomes. You have to be consistent with whatever it is, it's going to take to win. Yes. Can you still win, um, lose five out of six game because of the talent that you're going up against? Absolutely. But you got to see those daily improvements of, decision making and time and score all those things are, are coming into play
0: yeah and they're just not good enough talent wise to overcome you know a, a night where they're not perfect on defense and again Monday night against Chicago they were not early on I mean they're not garden guys even later in the game marketing kept taking open threes now earlier he was knocking them down later in the game he was missing them but their defense later in the game turned up and that's how they got back into it That's what they are right now, a defensive first team. That can only take you so far. And I don't want to see guys who aren't shooting the three ball well continue to shoot the three, stick to your strengths, attack the rim. I'm talking to you, R.J. Barrett. I mean, that's what you want. Randall even, too, who at times could be a little sloppy with the basketball. Look, we're nitpicking on the the top guys because that's the reason why they're losing. It's only a few guys that are carrying them offensively night in, night out. And if they're not perfect – that's where the Knicks then fall into some trouble and why they've lost five of six. Now, coming up, they got the Bulls again on Wednesday night in Chicago before they return home for the weekend. A couple of matinees at the Garden Saturday versus the Blazers, Sunday versus Miami, and then hit the road again Tuesday night in Miami. So, I mean, look, it's an important four game stretch here. Jyd, they got to get it turned around. You can't let the losing continue. Last time they dug themselves out of it. This time it's been five of six on the losing side. They need to find a way here to win a couple of these ball games and kind of stabilize a little bit before the possibility of potentially adding a player like Zach Levine. That's right,
1: and also, you know, you're you're you got to stop the slide because this, you know, we still got this young team. You don't want them to get comfortable with losing, comfortable with everybody taking, you know, the ill-advised shots. Ball movement is key. Team unity, you know, the assist game has to come back up because everybody has to get involved.
2: Guys, I think in honor in honor of my 30th birthday on Friday, the Knicks are going to go on a three-game win streak right now. I think they're going to beat the Bulls. They're going to come home. They're going to be refreshed. Super Bowl Sunday, they're going to beat the Heat. They're going to beat Mellow on Saturday in between. And we'll be here next week, back in the winning column
1: and back in the top eight in the Eastern Conference. Let's go. I probably Jake. take 2 of 3. <laughs> Jake, you are you trying to talk up your steak dinner, brother? Yeah, okay. That's what you're trying <laughs> to 21 do. away. That, that 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 sizzler dinner is is still on deck, but right now it's fading, it's starting to turn yeah. into an appetizer yeah. possibly.
0: The ice is melting on that sizzler steak dinner for the next. I would probably take two. If they, look, they have to beat the Bulls Wednesday night and then hope to at least split the weekend. But you don't know what this team, they could turn it on at any moment. All right, coming up next, JYD takes us inside the doghouse right here on the JYD edition of Big Apple Buckets. Doghouse! <laughs> Time to go inside the doghouse this week where the junkyard dog tells us a story from his playing days in the NBA. JYD, what do you got for us?
1: Hey, you know what? On, on the 30th, 31st edition, I thought I'd even take the, the, the dog pound back a few years right before I made it to the NBA. I'm taking you back to Georgetown. John Thompson, shout out. Rest in peace, my coach from Georgetown University. Uh, he recruited me off the playgrounds. I was not in school at the time. Gave me a scholarship after watching me play pickup ball. So that that's a huge shout out to him. I get on campus and there's this buzz about this kid that had just signed right after me. His name was Allen Iverson. Now the 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 rumor was he was six seven. He could take off from the foul line. I mean, he's just this incredible player. And I'm like, wow, I gotta meet this guy. And I'm I'm coming down the hilltop. So I'm coming down from the dorms and they're telling me, hey, he's in the gym right now. Right. So I'm hustling down so I can meet him. So maybe we could, you know, I could get a feel for. You know, who he is, what, he, what what he can do, this kind of thing. Get down to McDonough Gym. Walk in the gym. There's only one person in the gym. Got on a tracksuit, kind of sitting on the bleachers. Small guy. Obviously not Allen Iverson, right? Not this polarizing figure that I had been hearing about and, and, and these things. So I come up to him and I say, hey, man, I'm looking for Allen Iverson. And have you seen him? Because I heard he was down in the gym. Is he upstairs? Where is he at? And he goes, oh, that's me. That's it. and literally I said this to him, uh, stop joking. That's not you. Where is he? Seriously. I'm trying to get in touch with, he was like, yo man, it's me. I'm Allen Iverson. I'm AI. Right. I'm like, uh, okay. All right. Obviously this is hype is just people have been talking too much. So I'm like, all right, well, nice to meet you, man. Good to see you. Okay. We can look to play tonight or whatever. We, go up to um you know so that night we had the first playoff game of the summer league and that was our chance to play together so we get there and alan iverson is in the is in the locker room with me and we're talking about and he's like yeah i'm i'm I don't, i'm so excited to play you know obviously he's coming out of jail he hasn't played a game in two years and i'm like he's you know he's he's excited he's saying look that's said he said he said i'm gonna take this game it's gonna be my first game but when I, when I finish this game, my sights are set on the league. And when I get to the league, I'm going to cross up Michael Jordan. And I said, what? What is this kid smoking? I'm like, he's smoking, he's drinking. I was like, what? I mean, just for that to come out of his mouth was blasphemy. i like, what are you going to do? Okay, man. Brother, you're two foot tall, Right. I mean, it can't be okay. So I'm just like, so okay, first play of the game, tip the ball. It tips to Allen Iverson. The crowd, I mean, there's no seats in the gym, number one. It's like a standing room only. And the crowd's like, whoa, you hear this, vote, And I'm like, looking up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? I'm like, whoa, what? What y'all whoa for? He better pass me the rock, right? <laughs> and he takes two steps over half court and pulls, like, from two steps over half court, pulls it, right? And the crowd, and it's like, whoa, and the ball like rims out. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, oh, he just pulled from half court. Like, this is crazy, right? So like, we go back down and uh, defense, get a stop. I get the ball, right? And now I'm like, hmm, let me see if the hot. Give it back to AI. The crowd goes, whoa, here he comes again. He comes across half court line, pulls up from the exact same spot, nothing but net. Crowd goes crazy. I'm like, so that's his range? (laughs) 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 Well, wait a minute. (laughs) And that's that's the story of AI, because when he crossed up Michael Jordan his rookie year, brought me back to that moment. When he told me what he was going to do in the locker room amongst a whole bunch of guys who he became brothers with, shout out to AI, shout out to Michael Jordan, (laughs) <laughs> and shout out to the history of the doghouse because those are the kind of stories you're gonna get with Jake and Sal and Big Apple buckets moments I love it. you would have to get to, to, the, to the root of the
2: situation. You know what I'm talking about, Jake? I mean, I'm just thinking of you looking at this like guy, a little short guy, like you are not Allen Iverson. Move over, and then what does he do? pulls up from half court and drains it, uh, in front of a legendary coach, too. I mean, that's a special moment. That's Iverson
0: a moment, that's taking it back. He's one of my all-time favorites, so I love hearing stories like that. Now, are you still close with him today, Jyd? I talked to him last night on the phone. That's why I brought this. Really? This this story?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. Look, dog, bring him on the show. Listen, why not? He's Allen Iverson. Now, listen, I, hey, we got to get bigger. You know, we got to get our right. get our our game right. And the Knicks, you know, we got to be able to talk some smack because you know you bring in AI. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be all the way live.
2: All right, Knicks, right? well, Sixers. Nick, this stories
1: gonna go right. on forever, right? He's gonna tell you about some chicken wing stories from our from from our days. I gotta be careful who I bring on. Uh-huh. The big Apple, uh-huh. show. bring Lou
0: Williams <laughs> in know. to analyze that Magic City Monday, yeah. Uh, that's my dog though that's my dog coming up next we'll talk to the host of bleacher reports take it there it's taylor rooks it is a pleasure to be joined now by one of my dear friends in the industry i miss her so much i'm happy that she returns my call she's a superstar watch take it there with taylor rooks on bleacher report turner sports She's all in the game, yo. Taylor Rooks uh, <laughs> talking some Knicks with us now and go around the NBA a little bit. How are you, Taylor?
3: I am amazing. I hope the listeners ignore everything that Sal just said because it is untrue. Uh, but I do miss him dearly. I am happy to be here, talk to you. We had such you know, fun times at S&Y, so I'm looking forward to this.
1: <laughs> Taylor's in the doll, pal. Let's get it.
0: <laughs> Taylor, you're familiar with JYD's game? I mean, I know you're maybe a little young, yeah, JYD... well, I've, never,
3: I've never met him, so it is a pleasure.
0: It's all mine. <laughs> you, look, you're, you come
1: highly regarded, and uh, we respect your game, so let's get into it.
0: And JYD was one of those guys on the floor that gave everything, right? Rebound machine, defense, high energy... Similar, Taylor, to what we're seeing from the current Knicks, which is, you know, the team that I grew up watching, those 90s Knicks. Basically, your entire life, the Knicks have stunk. I want to know, because there's nobody who's more in tune with today's NBA game than you. I want to know if you feel even though it's early on here, the Knicks perception is starting to change around the league.
3: No, I really, really do. You know, I think that right now people understanding that the Knicks are, you know, turning that corner. And it was really cool, you know, how Quickly was saying how he sat and he watched Kawhi warm up and then after the game, but Kawhi, PG, they were all praising quickly and saying, like, this guy is really, really good. They both said that right after the game, they were talking about how good that floater was. And you Usually I think after you play the Knicks, you're not really thinking about them right after, but they're clearly seeing like this star power that's on the team and that they are on their way. to you know, being a force uh, in the league.
1: You know, let's talk about a little bit about some of the things going on with uh, some of the trades that are potentially being thrown out there. Um, One being Zach Levine from Chicago Bulls. Have you heard anything about that team?
3: Yeah, (laughs) I have not heard anything but I know, I'm sure, you know, Tibbs would love to be reunited with Zach Levine, that he was like the bright spot of that Bulls team. Everybody in Chicago was talking about, you know, oh, we have a Zach, oh, you have a Zach. So he really is super talented. We all know, you know, this league is situational. Really, every league is situational. So it's all about where you're at, you know, the opportunity that comes with that and how you capitalize on that. And I think that Zach just hasn't been in the right situation. So I think a casual fan might be like, okay, Zach Levine, like, I don't hear about him that much. Is he that talented? But someone watch the games understands that it's all there. He just really hasn't been in the place to like let that shine and become, you know, that name that I'm sure he believes he is, and I'm sure Tibbs knows that he is.
0: I think he'd be a perfect fit here. You know, even watching him, and I'm not watching the Bulls every night, and I'm not watching him, you know, throughout the course of his entire career. But I know enough about him to where I think he's a potential missing piece where they desperately need scoring. He's a guy who could get hot, light it up. They don't really have that. I think he'll complement what they have well. You think Zach Levine can be a lead scorer? Maybe. A Couple him with Julius Randle for the Knicks, and potentially take them to a you know a legit playoff contender as opposed to the ten seed or whatever it is.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think he works with the pieces, right? Like, I think if you get him in the right place where he can shine, he would. I'm not saying you know Zach Levine is just going to be able to be the star on a team and lead that team. But I think if you put him, you know, with a good Batman and Robin, you know, then that will that will all work out. And I think that you know quickly looks great. Like I am a big quickly fan. I feel like I've talked about him already in like five minutes, like three different times. But I think that there's, there's really some, some promising stuff there. I like Julius Randle. I like, I like this Knicks team. They just need that one more thing to really push them over the edge. I don't know if right now I'm like their legitimate playoff contender, even if they get Levine, but I do think that they will be in the playoffs. Even if it is the 8th or 7th seed, I think that they'll they'll be in the playoffs. And also, you know, Knicks fans are now at this point like, "Hey, we want to be the cooler team than the Nets." So, <laughs> you got to have that on you too. It's like, "All right, I that's one thing I will say. I'm really enjoying about just, you know, this basketball season is that there's two teams in New York that people will care about. Right? And not care about because they want to make jokes about, which is what I feel like the Knicks were at some point, right? They care about it because there's some really good basketball being played. And I know there's obviously this like rivalry, rivalry between the two teams, but. I think it's just cool as somebody who lives in New York, right? As someone who would be a New York sports fan, that there's this really good competition and strong basketball is being played in, in the city, you know, in two different boroughs. Because um, I just think it makes the NBA more fun. And I wish the world was open right now because going to those games would just be, would be so much fun.
1: Hey, hey Sal, Sal, tell me this, right? If that trade goes down, and Levine comes, is it true or not true? If he doesn't come and do the behind the back dunk hook or yes. <laughs> they, look, the fans, look that he they can he can buy him for a dollar. As long as he pulls that off in the garden, he's gonna be like, you know, it, it we might have to change, and, I, and God bless John Starks, right? Yeah,
0: there's but, only one dunk. In one ID. dunk. Don't I mean, go down.
1: We, there. Have, we have to have the dunk number two. The dunk two.
0: He Part will, two. yeah.
3: He will have to have dunk contest dunks like every night. Yes. And literally, if he does it once, they're gonna be mad that he won't do it every night. Right, <laughs>
1: like, right. But listen, yeah. but he got to do it at least once.
0: We want know? to knock down some threes. I mean, it'd be nice if somebody on the Knicks could hit some threes. And Taylor brings up, you know, the Nets rivalry with the Knicks. The they're complete opposite teams. First of all, the Knicks one of the best defensive teams in the league, but they can't score. The Nets can't stop anybody. They score 150 points and they lose a game. I mean, that's. But it is great the rivalry. Taylor, is it strange that you're, you're obviously from Atlanta but been living in New York here? The What's the feel that you have? I talked about the perception early on, maybe the Knicks changing perception. Even with the Nets having three of the best players in the game, the Knicks, when they're going right, are still the top story. Does that surprise you?
3: I don't know if it surprises me because, honestly, I think everything is cyclical. Like, there's days where the Nets are the biggest story, right? And then there's days going where the Knicks are the biggest story. I think it's interesting and says something about – my guy, quickly, that it feels like he is everyone's favorite New York athlete right now. So when you're in, you know, a city where there's KD, who is arguably like the best at any given time, right? You have Kyrie, you have Harden, but everyone is like, "I love Quigley." So this talks about I think the star power that that he has, and that's interesting to me. He feels like the story. He feels like the thing that everybody's talking about. But when the Nets have a great game, they're the story. Or when Harden decides he's like, or Harden gets traded to the Nets, he's the story. You know, with. If Kyrie's not at the game, he's a story. So it really is like very, very uh, up and down to me. The reason I think the Knicks story tends to have more legs is because I don't know if people were anticipating the Knicks being this this year. So what happens is there's this, you know, butt of the joke, this team that is literally a joke in a Disney movie (laughs) and they come out and they're this. So everyone wants to talk about how, wow, like this is cool that the Knicks seem to be doing well. Like, this is no
0: longer the bad team. It wasn't always like that, Taylor. I know you were yeah. young <laughs> When I was growing up, the Knicks were the team in the 90s. All right, they didn't win a championship. They were in the playoffs every year. They were beating people up, battling with those. Bo- you watched The Last Dance, I'm assuming, right?
3: Yes, of course, oh, my God.
0: You love that. Yeah, and there's a little bit yeah. of a history lesson for somebody maybe younger like yourself and just see different things. But the Knicks, that's why it's hard for me to believe that we're in this thing for two decades. They have stunk. They have been the butt of the joke. And now they're starting to slowly come out of it a little bit. But of course, you know, the Nets get the three stars and now they have to compete with that as well. So it is an interesting dynamic. Taylor, how about yourself a little bit here? I'm, I'm curious. I haven't really discussed this with you. You were down there in the bubble covering the NBA last season. What was that like? I mean, look, we're still living in this pandemic here. It's crazy with the league and how games could be postponed and we're still dealing with it every day. But Living in that bubble for those few months there, uh, that'd be challenging for you.
3: So obviously, I know how mentally tough it was for so many people. And I know that it was difficult to be away from your family and to feel incredibly isolated. I completely understand those feelings and know that it was super prevalent within the bubble. But I think the bubble was so many different things for different people. And I actually really enjoyed my time there. Uh, I thought it was really cool to be a part of history, really. I mean, it was a first in and only. So many just like historical things happened there. You know, even the players sitting out, like being there for that was, was really, really cool. Um, being in a place that was probably the safest place on earth, um, in terms of the coronavirus. Um, so I enjoyed it to be so up close and personal with your stories and with your content, with the best basketball players in the world. It really was like summer camp. Uh, I said that in the piece that I wrote, but it really was just like, you woke up and you watched the basketball. You know, and like every now and then you might see LeBron and A.D. riding their bikes. Like it was like it was a really cool environment. Like I I obviously hope the world opens up and this never has to happen. But if for some reason there was another bubble, I would go without hesitation. It's just a thing I will always remember. It's like I remember who said it, but they were like, this is the last true like journalistic experience. You know, that you're like going and you are immersed in something and you can, you're really only one of the few that can really ever tell this story because you were one of the few that was even there to talk about it. So it's a, I just, I enjoyed it. It was, it was really cool.
1: What was the biggest memory from that bubble experience? Like you said, like it's, it's a, you know, that's something that will be talked about in history. So what did you take away as like the, you know, your top of the mountain? This is what I like the epitome of what I saw.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like easily uh, when the player when the Bucks decided not to play their game against the Magic uh, when they set out, and then just kind of being. On the campus, when you knew the players were right in there having this big meeting about whether they were going to play again or not, that just sticks out to me because it was genuinely like a historical moment. But really, the entire the entire experience just sticks out to me as like the most memorable and probably most important thing that that I will do. I did. I enjoyed it. It was it was two months. I had, I ended up you know having to leave early to attend a funeral, but I really enjoyed my time there.
0: One thing that stinks. I'll- obviously, obviously then and now... No fans allowed. Although I guess there were some fans allowed in Atlanta last night. Did you see this dope Forside <laughs> yeah. Karen and her steroided up? Well, what is up with these idiots yelling? Hey, Taylor, that's your hometown. In the, these it people, is, are in but Atlanta. I'm not
3: claiming. I'm not like, hey. I don't know where she's from. She is at the. <laughs> she can't
1: be I'm from, not from
3: Georgia. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. About-
1: <laughs> she's from Georgia. Don't try to tell. don't don't discount her. Come on, T. That's nuts. She was, she was eating in Georgia peaches and everything. I saw a peach fall out of her.
3: It was so funny though, because I saw in like an Instagram comment, 2 Chains comes and was like, I saw it all. Like, of course, 2 Chains is like courtside at the game. Like, and just watching this all go down, like it's Atlanta, but. I have no idea what was happening. And it obviously shouldn't have happened. But I'm like, dang, this is what it was like to have fans in the arena. Because at this point, like, I'll watch games and I it won't even be weird to me anymore. It's like I'm used to there not being fans there. Like when the fans come back, it's gonna feel weird for a minute because it's like at this point, it just feels like this is how it is. I think one great thing is you know, everyone was nervous that the quality of play would go down when there weren't gonna be fans in the arena. That is not true at all. Like, even bubble basketball was some of the most fun basketball I have ever watched, and they probably kind of felt like there was fans in the bubble because. People did watch and it was close and sometimes players would come and watch other teams and there was media right there it was still really close. But yeah, I, I miss the fans in the arenas, but I hate that I'm used to there not being fans uh, in the arenas.
2: Hey, Taylor, it's Jake here. And, you know, I miss it, too. I would do anything to pay 16 bucks for a Bud Light right now. I, I can't believe yeah. I'm saying that, but I need to be at City Field at the Garden um the the funny part about the courtside Karen was LeBron said uh he thought that was her dad and it was actually her husband so he kind of took a shot at uh Karen there but um I want to ask he you something that? yeah he he said he thought it was uh I think he thought it was her dad and uh it was a uh, husband <laughs> who seemed about doub- like double her age maybe um but anyways the you've had some interesting interviews lately and you've interviewed you know celebrities and players and politicians from all landscapes and recently you had barack obama was a big interview you did which begs me the question of your mount rushmore of interviews you've done and maybe your mount rushmore of interviews you still need to do as well
3: so like mount okay mount rushmore in terms of like the person like the person that i interviewed or like the actual interview yeah the Person, person okay then like barack Definitely, like number one, interviewing Barack Obama was insane. Like even even sometimes when I am sitting right here, I am like, wow, I was sitting here when I interviewed Barack
0: Obama. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! For me, like my Mount Rushmore, it's all people that I haven't interviewed yet. You know, like Barack Obama was on that list of like who I want to interview one day. Who else? I mean, you have to say right, like interviewing LeBron. Right. Just because historically what he is going to be to to basketball in general. And it was cool to be following his career so closely in the bubble. Like I think about something like the Last Dance documentary and you're seeing people that were like regularly covering Michael Jordan. Um, So it's cool to just know like one day you'll kind of like I like I was really, you know, covering his career intimately in this bubble for quite some time. So I'd say LeBron. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll think of more that I have done, but I'll tell you who I want to do that I haven't. Uh, Serena Williams. I have to interview her one day. I'm obsessed. Um, Michelle Obama. It's like, come on, I just got to get, <laughs> get them both. <laughs> Um, I think it'd be really cool. I mean, even though I have a little, I don't really like him like that because what he did to me. Tom Brady it'd be mm. cool to sit down with Tom Brady
0: Taylor's um, a huge huge Atlanta Falcons fan like myself I don't can. mention 28 I, and 3 in, in the same yeah. way
3: <laughs> Which is, I will say, Michael Vick is also my my Rushmore. I got to interview him, which is cool. And it was really cool because when I met him, he knew me. And I was freaking out because, like, I love Michael Vick. Someone I would say, but I'm actually interviewing them tomorrow, is Lisa Leslie. Uh, I'm excited to interview her. Yeah, that's what what really sticks out. I, I always just think about, you know, like, the goats, right? Like, that to me is who you just really want to interview like i got to interview michael phelps and that was really really cool so I, I put him on the Mount Rushmore too um i know that one day i would love to interview Kawhi, just because i feel like nobody has ever had a conversation with him like an actual conversation that lasted more than three minutes yeah that's what comes to my mind but i really just like i want to interview people that have something to say and they you know have an interesting story and they're going to offer really valuable and unique insight. So I will talk to anybody. I would talk to a wall and have fun. So that's just, that's what I think is cool about interviewing. It's like you could interview somebody who isn't like super famous, but they're the best interview because of, what they said.
0: Well, you also have to have the skill that you do to bring that out of them, right? I mean, you could sit there I, I could interview the same person as you interview or somebody else could interview that person, but it may be better with you because of the way that you make them feel and feel comfortable, and I've noticed that with listening to your podcast over the years and watching your show that you bring a side out of the the person you're interviewing that maybe we haven't seen before. So, that's not only something you, you could tell that you love doing it, but it's certainly a skill that you have and you know, look, you've you're a superstar. I mean, there's no other way to say it, Taylor. Oh, you're, a thank you, you're interviewing Barack Obama for goodness' sake. I mean, you just, one thing. I was that's jealous big. of Michael Vake and then Barack that's Obama, big. KYD, Come on, <laughs> Obama's not coming in the doghouse anytime you, soon. You were on I mean,
2: Jesus and Mero. I mean, come on, my favorite show. <laughs> I mean, that's when you check it off it the bucket really list. Is a
3: great show. Jesus and Mero is really that was really <laughs> cool that I got that I got to be on there. They do a really good job, but it's cool. I mean, it's just even talking about them too. I I love how now just with Sports media and media in general, people want things that are fresh and new, and it's not just like stuffy sports talk anymore. It's like people want to have fun and be entertained. And I really like the way that, you know, the trajectory of sports media right now. I like that in a lot of ways, it's very, you know, personality driven. It's very like, talent driven because i think it creates a better environment you know for the players but also for the viewers too it's just a more fun holistic experience so i think we're all you know doing this job in a really cool time um, and a really innovative time as well
2: do you ever pinch yourself because you know i spoke to you in like 2016 you just got to sny no, no one really yeah. knew you at that point you're coming mm-hmm. with the starter jacket. and we're having some chicken nuggets <laughs> just talking sports And, you know, I said, you know, you're going to be a star. And now within three to four years, you become, you know, one of the faces of sports media. Do you pinch yourself when you're like, yeah, I just interviewed Barack Obama. I was just on Desus and number one show in late night. I mean, it's got to be a pretty cool feeling.
3: No, it's definitely cool. And I feel really thankful and blessed and and so grateful. Um, But, you know, it's funny because sometimes, you know, when I got the show on Bleacher and there'd be people that would say like, oh my gosh, like, do you believe you have your own show? And I... Being this as like genuinely as possible, I am always like, no, I can believe it because I believe in myself, and I always felt like if I worked hard and you know I was good to people and I did all the things that I needed to do, that eventually these things would happen for me. And I think that obviously that's how everyone should feel about whatever it is that they do. That if you believe in something and you put the work in, like things, I really do think will happen for you. So. I just think at this point, it's continuing to to do all of those things. And I just I feel so lucky that literally for my job, I get to talk to people like because I love people. So I'm just really thankful that I get to do this. And hopefully there's just, you know, more progression to come. There's so many more things I want to do. There's so many things I need to get Better at, and I really like the idea that you know it is a journey and you just keep going, and we'll see where it ends up.
0: <laughs> Not only does Taylor Rooks love people, JYD, she is also a new dog owner. I Taylor, I have, and now, how is Bean? Is, is he a golden doodle? Because I, I yes. have a golden doodle, He'll... he just came up behind her on the yes, screen. I was... see, I
3: see. Oh, I didn't even see him. Oh, I missed, I you missed mean, him. Bean, bring the dog. Come. Out here.
0: How is he doing in the snow? Because my dog is driving me nuts. The snowballs get stuck to his long hair.
3: No, no, no. She loves the snow. I don't know if she can. Bean!
0: You got two
2: dogs coming in the junkyard, talking. Baby <laughs> baby the girl. dog Come. pound is in the
1: building. Come on now. <laughs>
3: he must be playing with her toy because I can't see her from the office and she's not coming. But, but you but can no, see the pictures.
1: She's yeah. Truly it's a,
3: the best. What, like, I'm
1: obsessed. Yeah, what kind of dog? What kind of dog is it? Golden Doodle. I have a labradoodle.
3: Oh, okay. So I think Labrad like they look very similar, but their hair is just a little different. I think Labradoodle is a little curlier. Um, but Doodles are the best dog. Like, is she not? He or she?
1: He. he Kirby. Is he not
3: like the sweetest? Like, Kirby. oh my gosh. He has got his own
1: Instagram and everything. Oh. Kirby the Doodle Dude. The doggy Instagram. Oh man. Doggy, <laughs> look him up. Kirby the Doodle Dude, they just man. With you. Got followers it's and everything.
3: It's so, like, Doodles really are the sweetest little pups. Like, uh, It's the great, like, I. So I have a dog at home, right? But she's been with my mom because once I left for college, like she didn't come with me and shows now she's my mom's dog. But so I love dogs. My friends that have dogs, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I love my dog, but y'all are obsessed. I was like, thought it was so crazy. But now that I have one that is like with me 24 seven, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, you, I genuinely think she's my daughter. Like I, it's like she's the greatest thing that has ever graced this planet.
0: <laughs> it's great. It's hard, and it's difficult too to have a dog in the city. I mean, luckily I'm out of that. Not luckily, but I'm out of that city life. I've moved on. I cuddle with my golden doodle more than I do my, my wife. I mean, that's how lovable <laughs> these dogs are. Dog pound. It you, have to watch out, man. <laughs>
1: you have to watch <laughs> out. The dog <laughs> pound <laughs> takes over yeah, your life.
3: Yeah, they follow everywhere they just think like you are the best and i'm like oh i just i'm i always say i'm like oh i wish you just knew how much i love you like you're just ah i she's great it's like best quarantine decision i've ever
1: made did you have to put him in training because see kirby he's in training right now he's at the doggy academy
3: Training. She has she has trainers that come every week. Gotcha. She is super well behaved. She's making me look bad because she didn't come when I said come. Right. But usually right. she does. She knows, all, she knows, you know, go to bed. She knows room, which is her crate. She's completely potty trained. All the things like she is very smart dog, which, by the way, I think. Golden Retrievers and Poodles on the list of like smartest dog. They're both top five. So if you have a dog, and I think Labrador's in there too. So the mix is like two of the smartest dogs. So they are very easy to train.
1: They, they're they're very easy to train, but if you don't train them, woo, they'll outthink you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where so I'm at. To them, like, um, but what I'm about to do is
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well, in the beginning, it would be like so. You if you're saying like sit, right? She'll sit. But then she'll want the treat. So then she'll go down. But then she'll go to her bed. Like she tries to do everything except for what you ask. So that you just, the easiest way to get the treat.
0: They are <laughs> smart, but certainly lovable. All right. Uh, also smart and lovable, Taylor Rooks. And that's a oh, way to put a nice wrapping. A Taylor, we, we, appreciate, we appreciate We appreciate it. It's great catching up with you. You know, Best of luck with everything that you continue to do here. We'll be following along throughout the course of the uh, rest of the season. Hopefully the Knicks become good and more relevant as far as the national landscape here. But make sure you check her out. Watch Take It There with Taylor Rooks on Bleacher Report, Turner Sports, She's all in the game, yo. Taylor. Make it there. Take it there. Doll pal. Taylor.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. <laughs>
0: That does it for us for episode 31, the JYD Junkyard Dog Jerome Williams edition of Big Apple Buckets. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Comrada for producing the show. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. It helps. You can do that on Apple. For Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Acotta. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, stay safe.